Kulang stepped out of the shade under the bibbleborn, circling the wetlands and into the sun. A snake-necked turtle carrying an ancient moss forest on its back kissed the surface of the water and took a breath of damp, earthy air. Kulang rolled up the legs of her jeans and waded out, kicking up generations of debris from the bibbleborn, shedding its leaves and paper bark. Her grandmother's voices swirled around her feet in clouds of silt, rising to the surface and revealing a thick forest of roots on the bottom. She knelt in the water, scooping leaves into her lap, gently cleansing the dirt from their bloodlines. They whispered of the horror and the wonder, the delight and the misery. Her hands were muddied and dirt stuck underneath her fingernails. Her heart caved in under its heaviness. The leaves floated on the surface in historic shades of emu egg green, colouring its silty darkness. Kulang waded out deeper, the bibbleborn singing out to her as the wind rustled in their branches. She dug her heels into the bank to stop herself falling down a very deep well. Velvety green flickered from the back of the turtle, foraging in the debris at the bottom. She knelt, tilted her head back and baptised herself until the sun lit up her own face under the water. The heavy weight in her heart floated to the surface. Her unburdened body sank deeper into the well until its banks gently cradled her in loving arms. Black tresses of her hair tangled with the forest of roots until she could no longer move. Her eyes becoming pools of water, her skin silt and her arms flowing currents. Unafraid, she remained still, not knowing which way was the light and which way was the darkness. Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. My name's Greg Dobbs. Today I'm talking to Elfie Shiosaki about her book Homecoming, published by Magabala Books. Elfie is a Noongar and Yaru writer. She's a lecturer in Indigenous Rights at the School of Indigenous Studies at the University of Western Australia and is editor of Indigenous Writing for Westerly, a literary magazine featuring fiction, non-fiction and poetry produced at the University of Western Australia. Elfie, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you for having me. You're a Noongar and Yaru woman. Where is country for you? Noongar people are from the southwest of Western Australia and uh, Yaru people are from the Kimberley from around Broome. Where did homecoming begin for you? What was the seed? I wrote homecoming after I completed a research project at the Centre for Human Rights Education here in Perth. Uh, where I had the opportunity to explore how Noongar people had historically protested against the 1905 Aborigines Act. So this is an act that Noongar people in the southwest, were well, all Aboriginal people in Western Australia, lived under this act and it uh, gave the state government substantive power and controls over Noongar people's lives and really stripped Noongar people of their most basic human rights. And this is a so-called Protection Act, is that right? That's right. And these acts existed 
in um, all of the states around Australia. So I had the opportunity to explore how Noongar people had protested against the Act and how this protest had been recorded here in government archives. And so those archives now sit in the State Records Office of Western Australia. And in that research project, I was exploring the agency that Noongar people had to navigate the Act. And uh, in particular, I was researching how Noongar parents protested the forcible removal of their children uh, during the stolen generation period. And this was part of my own family story. So as I was doing this research, I was researching the lives of my own grandmother and, and her ancestors. And so it was a research project, but it was also part of a personal journey for me. And these four generations of women are represented in this work. How do you explore their lives through this work? So Homecoming is a collection of stories about four generations of Noongar women in my family on my grandmother's side. And these women belong to Wajak Noongar families in Perth and Wilman Noongar families around the Williams River region. So the book contains around a century of stories about their lives in fragments. And the stories belong to my grandmother, Helen Shiozaki, her mother, Olive Harris, and we also trace back the stories of Olive Harris's aunt, Mary Alice Harris, and her mother, Madeline. And how did you gather these stories? Uh, some of these stories were held in uh, spoken word histories within our family, so stories and memories of our ancestors, and others were held in archival records. Some of the stories in Homecoming are simply held in my imagination. The opening verse is called Story Tree. What is a story tree and what is its significance for you? I think Story Tree is a concept that I made up to try and convey that sense of uh, interconnectedness within the stories in the book, um, that the stories are connected to each other and they're also connected to a greater root system. And I guess in the book I'm I imagine this root system as a Noongar worldview and a Noongar system of knowledge. And so I wanted to um, play with a concept that reflected this, that our stories really belong to a, a far greater story system um, that all Noongar people share. Story tree. Crushed underfoot, vibration travels, heel to heart. Trace your remnant veins, skin, Imprint your bones into my hands. Breathe you in, precious debris. Bury you under our story tree, trunk and branches cry out. I was reading that you might have referred to this as restorative story work. What do you mean by that? I think the concept of restorative story work is connected to the reality that histories of colonisation, they displaced people, certainly, uh, but they also displaced our stories and our knowledge. The concept of restorative story work plays around with the idea that now in the 21st century, uh, Noongar people are seeking out and returning those stories home. So there is a sense that we are bringing something home, bringing home our, our cultural belongings which, you know, does include knowledge and stories. Some of our knowledge and stories or fragments of our knowledge and stories can be found in the archive. 
And so the knowledge that we find of our families in the archive needs to be recontextualised by what I think I refer to in the book as living cartogen or living knowledge. And so when I found fragments of knowledge about uh, my grandmothers in the archive, I um, tried to recontextualise that with our own uh, memories and stories of our grandmothers. Lost in archive. It never occurred to me that I would find you there in that cold, unfeeling place where you cried tears onto paper that weighed so heavily on my heart it slowed its beating. It never occurred to me that you would take me into your arms like I belong to you there and you would warm my cold hands in between yours, bringing movement back to my numbed limbs. It never occurred to me that you would speak to me there with that comforting voice of bedtime stories and tucking in and your words would breathe your life back into mine. My heart now beating in time to a rhythm that was not its own. It never occurred to me that you would find me there, that I had been lost, not you, and you would take me home. The verse that you've titled Lost in Archive, it's an especially beautiful passage. What did you find in the archive beyond what you expected to find? As I was reading the archive, I think I really began to feel the context of um, my grandmother's lives and the great hardship that they experienced in their lives. And the archive, I guess, gave me a sense of the absolute control that they lived under. And for me, that was really confronting because it's such a different context to my life now. Well, what the what reading the archive taught me was really how brave they were um, because when they spoke up, they spoke in a context where, where the consequences for speaking was so, so great for them and it taught me a real uh, admiration for their tenacity. I think the archive holds both the agency of state governments to enact such oppressive legislation like the 1905 Act. But what surprised me was that it also held meetings and the conversations with Aboriginal people. I think there has been a real absence of stories that convey that sense of resilience and courage and strength. And the archive holds both. It's a very complicated space to work in. Homecoming is much more than a story. It's more like a tapestry of history, language, memory, landscape, spirit. And because of that, I wonder if you're asking something extra of the reader when they open the pages of that book. What are you asking? I think that's a really interesting question to reflect on because I wrote, in many ways, I wrote Homecoming for my grandmother and I. So I worked on Homecoming with my grandmother, Helen Shizaki, and we wanted to protect and preserve these stories for the next generations of our family. So over the five years that I've been working on this book, it's been within family and it's been for family. Now this book is being released and it's being read more widely. I hope that they see homecoming as a kind of truth-telling of our shared history in Western Australia from a Noongar women's perspective. I think the story is difficult to follow in some ways because I have collapsed um, that linear sense of time and I have 
written the story as fragments. The full or complete story isn't there and it isn't there because I don't know the full or complete story myself. But I wanted to play around with the idea that a story could be known in its sum total and I I had hoped perhaps that readers might then come to feel this history rather than to know it. And in feeling this history, I guess to reflect on its very universal themes of love between parents and children. I want to finish up with the other influences that might have infiltrated your work in Homecoming. There's a very striking distillation of imagery and language and ideas, and it's also quite unusual in its form and layout. Have other influences found their way into this work for you? I tried to tell my grandmother's stories in a way that didn't echo a um, traditional biographical account of their lives um, because I wanted to acknowledge that there are other ways of knowing history, there are other ways of making history, and it was important to me to represent their voices in a very clear way, which is why I chose in the book to present, for example, spoken word histories as verbatim poetry or uh, archival records as verbatim poetry. And so this was really an experiment for me, but I, I was inspired by other Aboriginal writers who write in this space where we create poetry from the archive. So one of those writers is Naranga woman Natalie Harkin, who's written archival poetics, and another is uh, Yamaji woman Charmaine Paper Talk Green, who has written Nanandjungu Yagu. And I found reading their work really freeing for me to show that there is an alternative to producing. Uh, biographical accounts of our grandmothers' lives that really experiment with our own ways of knowing our worlds and our own ways of being in our own worlds. This book is a great pleasure to read. Elfie, thank you so much for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thanks, Greg. I've been talking to Elfie Shiosaki about her new book, Homecoming. It's published by Magabala Books and is available at goodreadingmagazine.com.au and all good bookstores. My name's Greg Dobbs and thanks for listening.